0: You're listening to an LA Kings podcast for more episodes of this and every other Kings program, visit LAKings.com slash podcast. You're listening to all the Kings men, the official podcast of the LA
1: Kings. Now here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back Kings fans. I'm Jesse Cohen. This is all the Kings men. The LA Kings are back from Australia and Zach Dooley is here to tell us all about their trip behind the scenes. This week was a challenging one to schedule. I was on the Kings Ducks radio broadcast Sunday night, and there was a lot of work to be done at the office. Uh, Meanwhile, the Australia group returned on Monday. We've been coordinating communications. It's been a chaotic handful of days. All of that is to say there's not a ton of news to report or discuss on this episode, but we do have some updates to give you, and I'll be doing the pregame and postgame shows as well as intermission reports on every Kings broadcast moving forward. I'll have audio clips from coaches and players as well as updates from practice and morning skates. I don't want to overload the podcast feed with every single game, so that audio can be found on the LA Kings Insider Audio Podcast feed. You should be able to find that on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get the podcast, including LAKings.com slash podcast. Um, I want anyone who is interested in following the day-to-day of the club to be able to do it without overwhelming those of you who just need the occasional check-in. Feel free to reach out at Kingsmanpodcast at gmail.com with any suggestions or feedback. Okay. Here's my conversation with Zach. All right, joining me today for a uh,
0: shorter than usual podcast, Zach Dooley. How are you doing today, Zach? Jesse, I am tired. Yeah, I'm sure, um, <laughs> but I'm doing good. Good and good. Really good to be back, coming off a really, really special trip. I think for everybody that that got to go to Melbourne. And I mean, first question right off the hop is like, what was the flight like? So it was long. Um, but not that bad. I didn't really feel like it was any longer than like a cross-country flight um, because I probably slept six hours or so on each flight. And then by the time you get situated, we had our own row. You just kind of post up and sprawl out. And doesn't like what's the difference between the other eight hours and like a six hour flight across the country is kind of where I landed. Um, so You're it a was, taller
1: gentleman, though. One I row ex- is.
0: So I, I could uh, curl up. Little okay. knees, maybe a little bit bent, <laughs> but right. uh, got a little bit of sleep on both flights, which was nice. And it really it didn't feel like the 14 or 15 hours that it was. It probably felt, I don't know, half that or maybe a little bit more, but it really didn't feel as bad as I thought it was going to be.
1: And then the, the two games, you know, I watched them on NHL Network. Yeah, it's always a different experience watching a game on TV than watching it live. So the takeaways, I think, for most people at home seem to be that obviously Adrian Kempe shined. Kevin Fiala looked dangerous. Jordan Spence looked good. And, uh, you know, Phoenix Copley struggled in his in his one game, in his two periods. Was there anybody that, went, if you were there, stood out more to you watching
0: it live? You just said half of his name, but didn't mention him. My biggest standout was Trevor Moore. Oh, okay. Um, I thought that Trevor Moore looked like Trevor Moore. Yeah. And he had a really tough year last year with his injuries um, couldn't stay healthy. And when he'd come back, he wasn't quite himself. I think we saw a little bit of him in the playoffs where it's like, that's the guy that that we knew he could be those games. It wasn't the goal. He scored a really nice goal, um, which is great, but it was just the little things that he did when, when he would shake a man with an escape move, when he would be that twitchy, ferocious, tenacious, speedy guy that we knew that he was in that 21, 22 season, that really, endeared himself to the fans here we saw that guy in melbourne that was really really exciting to see trevor moore kind of at that level and todd mcclellan when i asked him that question in the post game and he said that those exact words were what was said in the coach's rooms. like trevor looked like trevor um the results don't matter but individual performances can be something you can take some note of and i really thought that trevor moore was excellent in those two games
1: it was um Interesting to me, not terribly interesting that they kept more um, Dano and Arvidsson together, also Byfield, Kobitar, and Kempe. We talked to Todd McClellan about that the Friday. Not surprising at all, right? Yeah. yeah. But just the same, in the second game, when a number of veterans stepped out of the lineup, it was interesting to see the lineup that Todd McClellan did go with. Yeah. Turcott skating alongside Byfield and Kempe, for example. What did you think of Alex Turcott's game?
0: A lot of people seem to be very impressed with Turcotte's game, um, but you saw some really good flashes from him. You saw some of the things that make him a very high-level player when he's in the lineup. I mean, his ability isn't the problem, right? It's his availability, mm-hmm. and he hasn't been able to to put together a stretch of health. It's not really been anything with his game. I think you see he's a different kind of player, but he could be a very high-level, energetic, feisty guy. Not the biggest guy, but he plays very hard. He has a lot of compete, a lot of will. Um, Like him through the middle, I think, more than I've liked him on the wing. Um, So it was good to see him kind of get that opportunity and thought of as a guy who the Kings do view as someone who can play center. And should there ever be an injury down the middle, maybe he's that first call-up. Maybe he is the guy who could come up and slide himself into a third or fourth line center role if the opportunity presents itself. Um, The opportunity probably won't be there for him right off the bat just because of the forwards that the Kings have signed and the lack of extra roster spots. But I think he's put himself in a really good position to where should anything go awry on the injury front, he's right there. And that's really good to see him in that spot.
1: When I heard that he was going to be in the lineup, selfishly, I wanted to see him on a line with Kaliev just because I was hoping that somehow that World Juniors chemistry that they had, Mm -hmm. whatever it was now, three years ago, two years ago, that 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 would be recaptured. But that um, did not happen. Jacob Doty, another player that Todd McClellan talked about the Friday before departing for Australia, he played, did exactly what I think you'd hope
0: that he would do in a, in a game scenario like that. You saw the fights, right? We, yeah. we know about the fighting side, but he could also play a shift. You know, that's important because in today's NHL, especially on a Kings team that might only have 12 forwards, you can't just fight. You have to be able to do more than that. And we saw some really effective physical play along the boards from Doty. I thought he did not look out of place at all in a fourth line role. And, you know, I had the chance to work with Dotes in the 1920 season, his first year in the organization, and he was a healthy scratch in the AHL for all but I think 18, 20 games. Um, And he couldn't always play that regular shift. He has come so far as a player and he's earned so much respect, not only from the staff and the players in Ontario, but clearly from the veterans in the NHL as well, the coaching staff in the NHL. For what he has done, how he's grown as a as a player, but also as kind of a mentor and a leader down in Ontario, he's earning every bit of this NHL look right now. Wouldn't be surprising if maybe he earns a contract at some point. It's just really good to see a good person and a good player like that get an opportunity um, at that age because you just don't see it every day. Really, really good story and, and good on dotes.
1: One of the reasons that we're going so abridged today is that Zach is probably exhausted, as he said, after having coming back from Australia. And I've got uh, a game to call. And while I'm not calling the game, I'm doing pregame, intermission and postgame. This is by the time you're hearing this, this will have been last night or maybe even earlier. But two faces back in the Kings preseason lineup tonight that I think fans would be curious to watch. And that's Brant Clark and Akil Thomas. Both in the game group for tonight's last night's preseason game uh, against the Vegas Golden Knights. Akil Thomas has looked very good. You wouldn't, you were in Australia when camp opened, but Akil Thomas looked very effective in the practices that I watched. And this is the first real chance we're going to get to see Brant Clark play real hockey since last what, December when he was in on, yeah, I think it was November. In November, December? yeah, December. Yeah. So unless you lived in, uh, Blanking on the name of the team, the no, world very. juniors, yeah. I guess we probably watched into, but nobody but was, I mean, very few people, yeah, it was were on TV. Live. Yeah, on TV. Um, we had a chance to talk to him, uh, after practice this morning, and he sounded
0: very optimistic and ready to get going. I think he was disappointed at first. Um, obviously, he was on the Australia roster, would have been there, uh, but uh, I guess we'll call it a freak injury with the event that he was hurt at, you mm-hmm. know, being so strange. Um, I think he was disappointed to not be able to go. Obviously, it would have been a terrific experience for him to be with that group. But with the injury, it was more important for him to be here. His practicing timeline aligned with the group here. It didn't align with the group in Australia. He would have been on the ice maybe once were he on that trip. So it was better for him to stay here, to get his reps non-contact, work his way into contact. And now he's getting a game setting tonight. And Jordan Spence took advantage of his opportunity in Melbourne. Now it's Brant Clark's turn to take advantage of his opportunity here because he's going to face a veteran Vegas Golden Knights team. Um, obviously, this will go out after the game, so we'll know how he fared. But it's going to be a tough task for him. He's likely going to play on the top pair. Uh, took rushes with Kevin Connaughton, um, an NHL veteran, uh, almost 400 NHL games. And he'll probably play on the first power play. So he's going to get a big opportunity. No minutes restriction on him that we know of um, or that anyone has has said really good test for him to kind of get back in the lineup and be in a leading role for not the NHL group. Um, and then with the keel, some of the same things that you'd say about Turcotte, right? His injuries have been the issue for him, not necessarily his play. I thought he was really encouraging during his rookie year, um, that COVID shortened year, but then his, his injuries have kind of taken over and consumed his last couple of years. A guy, the Kings were very high on when they picked him. He was the second round pick has some grit and tenacity to his game, but also some skill, very high scoring player in the OHL um, and a high character guy. So would love to see him kind of put it together this year. It's a pretty big year for him with where he's at on the contract scale, got the one year extension this year, which is good, but he's kind of leaving the prospect realm and getting into more of the need to be an established player realm. A lot of guys in that boat for the King. So Good to see him tonight against a, a difficult opposition and hopefully he can continue to kind of build and grow his way throughout camp.
1: And today, Wednesday, the 27th, there were a round. there was a first round of cuts. Now everybody that is being released back to their CHL teams were camp invites. Yep. And I'm assuming it's because the CHL schedule begins and none of these guys are King's property. Right. Like Cohen Zemer still in camp. Um, but Easton Armstrong, Sam Alfano, Hunter Mayo, Samuel Meyer, Chase Pauls and Jacob
0: Oster are all going back to their OHL and WHL teams. They can play games, right? Yeah. Like it's it's more important for them as players to be able to play those games. I'm sure they got a good experience here with the Kings. Maybe one or two of those guys made an impression, maybe one or two of those guys we've seen it, right? They they come to camp, they excuse me, go back to their junior team, maybe they come back the next year. So a couple of those guys maybe they make an impression to get a look when they are more at that pro level. Um, but yeah, that's the first wave of cuts and it wouldn't be surprising to see a second wave in the near future.
1: Yeah. I would expect it. I mean, by the time people are hearing this, there might have been potentially that second wave. And I I don't know who would be on it. I could take some educated guesses, but uh, you know,
0: and if you look at the, the Zemers and mm -hmm. the Angus booths guys who will get, you know, looks like Booth is going to play against Vegas, but guys who also have those junior schedules to begin. Mm -hmm. Um, You also have Ontario rain camp opening in less than a week. Yeah, Yeah. Monday. So those guys also, they'll need a roster. So you have to imagine Sunday will be the big cut down day. Most likely that's what we've seen in the past is day before we'll really separate into Kings group rain group. Um, But between now and then there still could be a couple of other moves made. Um, It's just kind of keeping everybody on the ice, getting them the reps they need without too large of a roster size, but also making sure that guys are getting the evaluation that they need and that they deserve.
1: Yeah. Rain camp opens on Monday and then, you know, that first preseason game at crypto.com arena is October 3rd, which is Tuesday. Yep. Frozen fury is Thursday, October 5th. And then the final preseason game, October 7th. So because there is such a clear line, between the bulk of the Kings roster, right? Like the Australia mm. group, not all of those guys can make the Kings roster, right. but the bulk of them will.
0: Mm-hmm. And there's also a, probably a couple guys who weren't on the Australia roster mm-hmm. who will factor in beyond, I think, right. that date.
1: But guys like Udon, who only have an AHL right. contract, you'll want, you know, Rain Camp has to have players. Right. <laughs> um, and you'll only have a week of. Yeah, time and the rain have their own preseason games to play.
0: Yep, and if you look um, at kind of how the preseason games are split up, wouldn't expect to see many of the veterans play this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're probably looking at that game on the third at, at Crypto.com Arena as like, okay, maybe that's when a Kopitar, a Dowdy, a Dino—that's when maybe those guys get back into the lineup. You might see some of the younger guys trickle in this weekend, um, TBD. Um, but I think we'll see mostly that El Segundo group playing at least these first three games. Um, and then maybe the San Jose game is when we could see some other guys come in. But I, I don't think it'll be the bigger names. I think it could be some of those guys fighting more for roster spots. Who you want to see get an additional game right. of evaluation.
1: I would expect guys like Turcott and Fagamo and Muverari, Bjornfoot, Spence, England. Those are the battles that will take place that last or not last week, but second week. F- yeah. From here on out that those three games, um, the two games at crypto and the, and the uh, Frozen Fury game, I wouldn't expect Kovacar
0: and Dowdy to play all three of those. Probably not, but at least two. I mean, okay, at least two of those games. Because um, usually Kope three games, maybe four. Mm-hmm. So he's only played one. Same with Drew. So you have to think those guys will both play the home games to minimize travel. It'll be that Utah game that I think would be the question mark. And I feel like in years past, they haven't gone to that game. It's been middle to lower lineup guys and then a couple of... Um, camp battle guys
1: yeah so if anybody out there was uh wanting to watch training camp but was reluctant to make the trip to el segundo because you weren't sure (laughs) which guys would be on the ice uh, rain camp opens on monday so i think it's a fair bet that uh the australia group of players will be
0: skating out on uh training camp ice well the uh, the australia group today The Thursday that this episode is released, that's when they'll be back on the ice and they'll be back on the ice Thursday, Friday, Saturday is the expectation right now. So you will be able to see those guys back in El Segundo for the first time, which is exciting. And Mm -hmm. it'll feel a little bit more like a normal camp, I think, from here on out.
1: Uh, I'm sort of curious to see how it's going to I mean, it shouldn't it should be a relatively seamless integration because every year at camp there's a third group of guys that always yeah don't last very long and and their invites and they're younger players and it, it happens the splits just coming sooner right? yeah like, well and it's such a clear split yeah like there are a couple spots up for grabs but there are a lot of spots that are not Right. Which is, I guess, how it goes every year. But for some reason in my head, it's
0: different I think there are fewer battles this year, though, because of the condensed roster size, for sure. So you're not fighting necessarily for a 14th forward, right? Because the Kings won't carry 23. And if you look at the forwards, it's hard to see where somebody breaks in to that group. Yeah, Sands an injury. Obviously, that changes everything if if anything happens. But that's a pretty solidified group of 12. Um, On the back end, there are some battles, but there aren't, a ton of them because there's not enough room and there's a very established top four. So I think you are right this year. Like I really think there are maybe the fewest camp battles we've seen since I've been with the team um, just because there are more established players in more defined roles. And I think that makes for maybe a less battle driven camp. It's weird though, because it's, I mean, it,
1: it really comes down to two roster spots, the third defensive pair. Right. But there's five guys fighting for two spots. Yeah. Whereas usually you might say like, okay, well, there's four spots. Mm -hmm. And each spot has two or three guys. Right, right. There's like, it's two spots, it's one pair. Mm -hmm. And of the five people going for it, no combination of those five players would shot. You know, if you told me that we were going with two right shot defensemen on the third pair, Mm -hmm. well, we saw them do it last year, it wouldn't really surprise me. Right. If you told me that we were going with two left shot defensemen on the third pair, that wouldn't really shock me. Teams do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, if you told me it was the one lefty and one righty again, it wouldn't shock me. So Yeah. Um, all right. Let's talk about Australia more. Let's talk about your personal experience in Australia. Um, I was insanely – still am insanely jealous that you got to go. It's still a bucket list item for me. But, uh, you know, all all I've heard so far is that it was incredibly clean, which doesn't mean a lot to me because I don't – it's rare that I – experience the city and I go, Oh, the city is dirty.
0: Yeah. Same. (laughs) So it was clean. Yeah. Um, a lot more of a city than I expected, which is my own lack of research, Mm -hmm. not anything that I should have been surprised about, but I guess I was expecting more like wilderness and wildlife than there was in Melbourne specifically. There's a lot of that in Australia. It's just not in Melbourne, Melbourne, very much a city, um, was very unique, very cool though. Had some Chicago vibes for me, but there were still opportunities to go and experience you know, the wildlife and the culture within an hour, there were several like wildlife preserves. You can see kangaroos and koalas and Tasmanian devils and dingoes and all of those animals. Wombats. Wombats. They all exist. They're all real and they're all protected um, in Australia, which is really cool. So I had the opportunity to see all of them in a controlled setting, um, which was really cool. Um, And probably the coolest event for a lot of people was the Australian rules football game. Very Um, jealous about that. Everybody on the staff, I think got to go and everybody is still talking about it. Like, it was such a cool atmosphere, learning a new sport, seeing a new sport. But, like, I don't think we, like, you almost can't go back because that experience was so good. Like, it was <laughs> the equivalent of the conference finals, mm-hmm. game seven, a one-point game where the home team came back and won with a sold-out building, adrenaline, everything went down to the wire. It was like a storybook game that I feel like if you went back and saw, like, a 30-point loss, you'd just be like, oh, well, this this isn't as good. It'd be hard to, like, live up to it.
1: One of the uh, people who went on the trip with you told me that the – so I was asking, you know, about the game that you guys went to with 97,000 people. Yeah. I was asking, like, is it a neutral site location or was it a – you know, was it like football or not uh, the NFL, but was it like college football where the semifinals are neutral site locations or was it like, you know, the NBA or, or NFL or – baseball or hockey, where the semifinals are the team with the better standing. He said technically it was a neutral site, but there are like eight teams in Melbourne and one of them, one of the teams in the game was one of those Melbourne
0: teams. It would be like if the national championship in the NCAA was at the Orange Bowl and Miami was playing. OK, right. Like they they play at the they play in Miami. The game was in Melbourne where this Collingwood FC was based. That's where the final is, but it would be there whether or not Collingwood was in the finals. Okay. So, it, or if, like, you know, if the if the Super when the Rams played in the Super Bowl, right? It was a home game, but it wasn't a home game, but right. it was a home, you know. So it was uh, this one was very much a home crowd for sure. There was a very passionate away section, but it was much smaller and kind of centralized. Um, but yeah, I think it's one of those where I think Collingwood one of the biggest teams in the country, and their ground is just the biggest, so that's where they play the big games. It's like the Wembley of Australia. Do they do chants and songs and all oh, yeah. that? Like, yeah, they fo- do like their. European football? They did. And uh, I think that we, at least, either started or were involved in the USA chant for the one American-born player on the Collingwood team. <laughs> uh, he met Pierre-Luc Dubois the day before from Texas, played college basketball, I think at Oklahoma State. And he scored like a big goal, whatever they call it, late in the game. And there was a big USA chant around the grounds that everyone was excited for in our section. We couldn't choose an American player to meet him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had to okay. go with the Canadian. All right. Uh he was the <laughs> only fine. one there.
1: Only one available. No. Uh and so the the building itself for the Kings Coyotes games, uh it sat just under 14,000, mm-hmm. which was a little bit smaller than what the Forum used to seat, but because the forum used to be sixteen thousand five and this yep. was what thirteen ninety seven? It was
0: high third, mid mid to high thirteens, I believe. Yeah. yeah.
1: So and and no um multiple levels like we have at crypto, right? Separated by the suites. There um, was a lower bowl and an upper bowl, but yes, the concourse it was just in a between. Concourse, right. Yeah.
0: And there were there is luxury seating, but I think it was above the upper pole. Was it loud? It was very loud. Very loud. Loudest cheer by far was when they announced Australian native sure. Jordan Spence as a starter. That was deafening. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a very educated crowd who knew when to be loud, which was cool. Like, you don't always get that, yeah. right? You go Were these- they cheering for the clears on penalty kills? Not huge. Okay. But <laughs> there aren't always in NHL, sure. too, right? Like, a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, they, they f- the fans knew what was going on. Um, what was really cool is it was sort of a just a – an energetic crowd like there were kings fans and there were coyotes fans so there were notable groups there but you saw every team in the league's logo so a lot of shirt on on a jersey every single team you saw which is really cool fans just were excited to see hockey they brought their minnesota wild jersey or their new jersey devils jersey because that's who they like and they just wanted to wear a jersey to the game and you saw aihl teams the professional semi-pro league in australia and you saw their club teams and all that stuff. And it was, it was just really cool to see how passionate the fans were and how knowledgeably passionate they were. It wasn't just like going nuts when there was a fight. Like they knew when to cheer in a hockey game. And I think that maybe took people by surprise a little bit, but everyone was, was really blown away. I think Cam Talbot talked about it after the game. How impressed he was with how you know smart the fans were. Like they they knew what was going on.
1: How did the facilities translate to hockey? Right, it's not a hockey yeah. arena. It's not even a basketball arena. Right, it's a it's a tennis court.
0: Yeah, locker room spaces were solid. Um, not your traditional room, but it was a big space. A um, little bit of a walk to the ice. You could tell it's not for hockey the way that Utah isn't. Where at the one end there's not seat right on the glass. It's kind of like right. the lower bowl is like a horseshoe. Upper bowl is a full bowl. It's just because the way the building is configured, you can't fit a rink in and have those lower bowl seats. It was, you know, when the Islanders were in Brooklyn, that was the case mm-hmm. there. So you noticed that. Um, everything was a little bit makeshift, but once the game was going, like you didn't notice it at all. It was just a regular hockey rink with a crowd that's just much larger and more into it than you would normally see for like a September exhibition game. How did it compare to Mullet Arena? Ah, uh, three times as big. <laughs> but I mean the the locker room and the facility. I, I think it was a little bit bigger. Okay. A little bit nicer than Mullet. Um, but sort of similar in that it was, you know, it was makeshift stalls. It was chair, like uh, folding chairs as mm-hmm. the seats, not like benches and that kind of thing. So you could tell it was temporary, kind of the same as it was at Mullet. But really substantial space. Coaches, trainers all had their own little rooms. And it was, uh, I think they made good use of the space. I only saw the king side, but. Well put together.
1: And Daryl Evans, uh, I spoke to him yesterday, right back to work, of course. Yeah, Um, he probably
0: came in on Monday. He did. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Uh, Or at least I saw him in the parking lot. Um, But uh, he said that, uh, as per usual, the uh, will call situation was not
0: (laughs) ideally laid out. Which is, if you think about it, the one thing that should be status quo. Mm -hmm. Like, there's will call at every sporting event, you know? I mean... It being frustrating,
1: at least from my limited experience, is the status quo. So
0: there you go. So they know. They yeah. actually have a very smoothly flowing Will Call system, but they dumbed it down to make it worse in the fans, I heard. The Ducks game, incidentally, uh, on Monday. Did they let Daryl in? Uh, oh, no, Daryl wasn't here. Wasn't
1: here. But uh, Will Call, not a problem at all.
0: Yeah. Walked right they, up to they, the window. Uh, had it San I'll Diego watch. will give Daryl trouble. Well, yeah. I'm sure they've called San ahead. Diego will. Let him know. Uh, so we
1: talked about uh, we talked about the flights. We talked about the accommodations. You know, coming back, you lose. Did you lose a day going there or coming you back? You lose the
0: day going there. Right. So we left Saturday night at like 10 or 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And by the time we got there, it was Monday morning. <laughs> right. So we missed all the football games Sunday. Got there for Sunday night slash Monday morning football. Um and then on the way back, we left. We basically got here when we left, right? Because um, the distance. If not, the flight, we got here I mean, earlier, so technically time traveled a little bit. But, and there was no Wi-Fi on your flights. no Wi-Fi on the flight. So how many was, movies did you watch? I downloaded a lot of shows slash documentaries, watched through those. I got through Quarterback on Netflix. Okay. I watched the Florida Gators documentary on Netflix. Um, I watched the Pepsi documentary on Netflix. Oh, so the was, Where's My Jet? Yeah, was that good? I thought it was, I thought it was good. All it right. was interesting. Um, so I watched a bunch of that kind of stuff. Didn't actually do any movies. All right. But I was, but I was banging out the shows.
1: And you're here briefly this morning. Uh, we're both here briefly this morning, yeah. mostly to record this, nothing else. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> um, and to talk to Brent Clark. Yes. And, and Chris. Hite. Brent and Chris Hite. Um, unless there's anything else pressing, I think we're going to wrap this up. Cause I've got a phone call to hop on. Uh, apologies to everybody who's looking forward to a, a great episode. Um, which is not a lot to talk about during training camp when half the team...
0: Yeah. Next next episode, I think we'll see... We'll have some cuts. ...have a little bit more to discuss. Yeah. Um, I got a dentist appointment today, too, that I scheduled for this day, so... <laughs> it's very exciting. We got to get out of here. I got to go to Best Buy. You got to go to Best Buy. It's a yeah. riveting day of adulting. It is. Um, yeah. The, the other one weird thing I'll mention about mm-hmm. Australia is they don't have coffee. It's all espresso-based. Really? So their coffee is like an americano type thing, like huh. an espresso with water, right. and they call it a long black. Oh, I'm a former uh, uh, barista. I know. Ah, right, so you know, you know about I the long, you know about the long black? No. See, that's what they call All it. Right. You order a long black instead of an americano. Yeah, we can get a flat white. You can. Okay. Uh, the best thing was called a magic, which is a flat white with two espresso shots. Um, right. I'm not an espresso guy. I'm a coffee guy. Yeah. So switching was a lot of jitters sure. for me, going a little bit. Little bit. Well, too they have much all the those cafe. animals that are trying to kill you down there. You yeah, gotta so you be, really got to be zoned in. Yeah. Um, I was a little too zoned in, but weird to be back here without that. Like, how void. many huntsman spiders in the hotel room? Uh, I didn't have any, okay. um, but I requested a spider-free room.
1: Perfect. So <laughs> that was probably why. Otherwise, that's my. That is my number one. As much as I want to go to an, to Australia, and I absolutely mm-hmm. do want to. Um, my number one reservation is I am definitely afraid of some bugs. Not that's all why bugs, you're tied you with bugs. Phil Deneau. That's why exactly. you like Phil um, and every TikTok video or YouTube video I've ever seen of people casually spending time
0: in Australia involves some giant spider hiding underneath their pillow or behind their bed. I think Melbourne is just a lot more of a city. And I think in other places in Australia, there would be a lot more of those, you know, right. just wildlife experiences. Um, like our travel was, it was cushy, right? When you travel with the NHL team and mm-hmm. this was on the NHL's dime, like it was, a not the traditional travel experience. Like if I was, on that same plane, but it was full and it was commercial, I'd be complaining a lot more than I was. Mm. Like our experience was very good. I imagine that everyone else's wasn't quite as as friendly. Um, but still a trip I would highly recommend if you have the chance to ever go to Australia. Take a lot of time. Don't just go to one place. Get out and see some things. Learn how to drive on the left side of the road. <laughs> and you'll have a great time. Well, I've said it before, but I was planning on going to Australia this summer for the
1: last two years. But then, when I caught wind that the team might be going, I thought, well, well maybe I'll maybe I it. could slide in there. Didn't happen. So maybe next year. Zach Dooley, thanks for joining me, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good.